Hello, everyone, and welcome to Subsegment, a show where we discuss all things queer, kinky, nerdy, and taboo. I'm one of your hosts, Irony. And I am Pop Noodles, your co-host, and I welcome you to Subsegment. Entering the kink scene the month she turned 18, it's now been just over seven years, and she is now a 25-year-old pet-playing switch, an active member of her local community, making waves in the kink scene from Florida and California all the way to Shinjuku, Japan. Please welcome the meowing brat, Chloe. Hi. Hello. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. We're we're excited. Uh, I'm I'm particularly excited to to have another like kitty player on the on the show. Yes, when you asked me, I was like, oh my goodness, a pet play podcast. Like, I want to do a podcast all about pet play. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah! Well, it's a lot of it's about a a lot of pet play, but like we we try to branch out a little bit more. <laughs> well, no, but like today, that's what we want to talk about, right? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. I'm yes. all about that. Mm-hmm. And we never talked with a kitty before, so we're really excited. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Okay, I'm super excited then. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I bring them. Give me all the questions. I'm so ready. I've been pumped for this all week. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just by the fact that you went to so many scenes, is very already very interested. So of course, I think uh, starting a little bit with uh, you becoming is uh, a little bit like the first thing we should maybe talk about. So, uh, how did you fall into kink, and what? How did you went to then Florida and then to Japan? So I got into kink. Um, actually, basically, my interest in kink started from anime. I was really into anime and whenever they would like cabedon the girl against the wall and like grab her by the <laughs> neck and be like, you're mine. I'd be like, oh my God, that's just everything I want in life. What? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I got into like the furry scene and through the furry scene, they kind of had like, they would do like role play on certain websites where they would have like pet adoption. And people who were into kink would see that as pet adoption and they would come there for for those types of pets. So I learned about this whole other lifestyle um, just through being online and interacting with people of different um, hobbies and such. Um, Yeah. And then when I uh, was like 17 ish, I was like researching from home and I was like, okay, so this is like this 18 plus consensual lifestyle. These are the foundations of their rules. And I was like, all right, I'm going to study this. And when I turn 18, that is where I'm going immediately because this is the lifestyle I want to be a part of. Oh, that's (laughs) That's nice. Yeah. And responsible. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's what I'm about to say. We rarely, not rarely, but it's always nice to hear someone doing the research before. Oh, man, I did all the research. The very first thing I went to was a munch for my local dungeon. Then I went to their orientation to learn all their rules. Then I showed up at the play party with a guide. I was like ready to go. (laughs) Oh, that's very nice. That's really great. Mm -hmm. And how did you lead to be so international? Oh, so... um, for a different part of my work life, I end up traveling quite a bit to do different photo shoots in different areas. And anytime I travel, I try to reach out to my local scene through FetLife and see what's going on there or reach out to people on FetLife who live in that scene to see if there is a secret scene, you know, that's not uh, advertised, yeah. which is very much the case with um, the Japanese scene. It's, it's, it's 
kind of sometimes you'll find events and stuff like that. Um, Mistress Kikyo always tries to post them, but like sometimes they kind of go hidden underground. You got to kind of like find your way in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only place I've traveled recently that I have not explored the scene was probably um, Vegas, which sucks because I'm there quite frequently and I've yet wow. to Ooh. I've yet to have the time to go out there and do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know some people from who I don't know if they're still in Vegas, but they they lived in Vegas and they they said the scene there is exactly what you kind of expect it to be. <laughs> That's what I've heard, you know. I've, I've, I've seen events pop up, and I've considered driving out for them. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I've also been to the San Francisco scene, which is amazing. Um, oh. Yeah, we, we definitely want to bring our queer little butts out there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, Ben. Uh, and what did you do, basically, in Japan? What did you explore and uh, dwell into? So in Japan, um, there's a little dungeon run by... Beep came from here she was uh she went she lived in japan she moved here for many years and was a part of the rope and king community here and then she went back to japan to um express her interest in shibari and to open her own little smaller dungeon with her uh partner i went to her shibari showcase there uh she did like a live shibari performance that was really artistic it was like in an art museum it was very beautiful um, and then I went to her smaller dungeon space and it was very much like the dungeons we have out here, except more like secret, secretive, I guess. Like it was, you know, very much more niche. You had like a couple people who came and knew what they were looking for. And you had a lot of American tourists who found the event on FetLife or whatever. Um, but like when I went there and I pet played there, actually, I brought my pet gear and I, I went out to the dungeon and I got all geared up because I love that. It's one of my favorite things to do is just go to a random dungeon and pet play at a party that's not related to pet play. Um, <laughs> it was, We're going to get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> it was the reactions I got felt very much like it was like people were interested in kink and even the people that were there were like interested in kink, but they didn't quite know how to grasp it yet. And they were like all on me like, oh, how did you get into this? Like, how are you doing this? And I was like... <laughs> California, man. Come to California. We got all the cake in the world, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, that's that's amazing. Um, can we go just briefly away from Japan, only for a moment, because I need to ask you about your experience in a pet adoption and seeing kink um, specifically. You, you mentioned it, and I want to know, were you there at the time to be adopted as a furry or as a kinky sort of like I need to know what was the experience for that for you. <laughs> this was this was pre eighteen. I should not have been in any kink okay. context, okay. and I was uh, I was okay. just online, you know, back in the the emo phase of life, where with my eyeliner under my uh-huh. eyes and my you know fursona uh-huh. drawings at home, and <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gonna role play as somebody's pet. It's gonna be awesome. Like I'm just gonna meow meow, and they're gonna give me treats, and it's gonna be super cute. And when I got in there, uh, which a little side story, I ended up having um, AP, which is like Access Pass, which says that you have a, an adult account because a friend of mine found out that if we did prepaid debit cards, we could get in like that. And I, it was like, we didn't know what it was. So we were like, okay, cool. Like, we, you know, my mom gave me a prepaid debit card for Christmas. I'll just, you know, buy AP and see what happens. And I never had any side, you know, effects from it, except that you could get into certain pet rooms that you couldn't get into before. So I was like, okay, cool. Uh-huh. I'll just go be a furry over here. And then I went in there uh-huh. and it was very much like, it was like an um, online avatar chat room type situation. 
Ooh, okay. Yeah, and so people were having the collars and saying mistress and master, and I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I don't, I don't dislike it. Um, (laughs) And I just started asking questions and talking to people, and they were so welcoming where I was. Um, And they were like, Oh, well, if you're under eighteen, you got to go. But this is what we're doing, and you know, go look into it, and you know, don't come back until you're eighteen. I was like, All right. So that is so wholesome. That's exactly how it should be. Right. And I, yeah. I like I try to perpetuate that now too because, you know, occasionally on Instagram or whatever, you're gonna cross like the sixteen year olds trying to follow you and I'm like, listen, this is a BDSM account, this is an adult lifestyle, follow these links, read about it, and go come back when you're eighteen. Like Yes. Yeah. Because I think people preaching what you, you learn. Yeah, I think people have like yeah. a stigma, um, obviously against younger people who are interested in the scene, but I feel like they just need to be guided with the correct safety protocols so they can come back at the right time, you know? (laughs) Okay, listen, hear me out for a moment. If you taught kids in sex education about the basics of kink, Mm. so the basic rules, they would like tenfold understand consent so much better. Absolutely. Yes. And the base foundation for what we've built as a kink community is beautiful. It's something we should be teaching. Consent, trust, communication, you know, safe, sane, consensual, yeah. risk-aware, consensual kink. These are all things that people, before they're sexually active, should have some understanding of anyway. Um, yes, absolutely. Obviously, you know, we don't need to be engaging with them, but there's a lot of reading material that is completely age-appropriate to send them on their way and welcome them back when they're ready. But it's kind of funny because uh, uh, a lot of the time I think you refer yourself as being a cat before being a pet player. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I think the furry instances online kind of brought you to that. No way. Yeah. You know, even before I was a furry, I, I never had a name for it. But when I was uh, mm-hmm. in elementary school, I would walk around the playground and imagine that my shadow was a cat. And like anytime we'd play uh-huh. house and kindergarten or whatever, I was always the cat. So like my whole life, the, the motif of having this internal cat spirit kind of uh, stuck with me. Okay, so you've uh, you went to Japan and you got to play. Did you uh, have any like really epic scenes that you saw oh, or that you were part of yes. in Japan? So I, I did do a scene with Mr. B. Um, and we did a upside down shibari suspension and wax play scene. And wow. it was beautiful, and it was artistic, and it was sexy, and I felt incredible. I actually have some really great pictures from that I can share with you guys. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, love that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, to come back a little bit about uh, pet play and all of it, uh, you know, I'm a puppy myself. Uh, <laughs> I love pet play a lot. And I, I was just wondering, you know, how, how you envisual yourself as a kid oh. and how do you play it? Uh, do you have a handler? Uh, do, do you have like oh, trick man, and stuff so that questions. you guys okay. do? Hang on, hang on. Let's, uh, let's, start with, let's start with the first. <laughs> <laughs> how do you envision yourself? So yeah. I have envisioned myself basically almost the same way since I was a little kid um, as just pretending to be a pet, you know, just pretending to be a cat in my house. Um, but recently I have adapted some small changes in my aesthetic. I identify as a mostly American short hair, black stray cat. Aww. And uh, I've got green eyes, a little pink nose, uh, pink mm-hmm. inside the ears, and mm-hmm. modeled paws. So my paws are both pink and gray. 
<laughs> and I identify as a cat, not a kitten, um, which is mm-hmm. uncommon for a lot of uh, pet players. Most pet players yes. want to identify as a puppy or a kitten, especially women. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm a full-grown cat. Came a long journey. <laughs> um, and I have like a whole, you know, cause, because I'm part <laughs> Syrian or furry or whatever, I got a whole backstory for my, my cat side. And she's this alley cat mm-hmm. who, you know, grew up in the streets. And because sometimes when I'm in pet play, I'm rougher than most cats. A lot of times, actually. I'm very primal. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. I've seen you just uh, start shit with a bunch of puppies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, sometimes I want to bark at the dogs too. So I always say that she was raised in the alleys and she learned to talk, talk the talk of the streets. <laughs> That's <laughs> fun. very good. Yes. Because um, for me, I, when, when we were kind of going through my own sort of pet persona, I was like, I'm not like a, I'm not a cute kitten. Like I'm not, I'm not that. And then, you know, I was doing a lot of research and then f- finding the term like feral kitty and i was like yes that is me i am yes yep, very feral 100 um yeah but <laughs> i've always identified as a feral stray cat um and yes. i've always had two sides of that coin because i've always enjoyed pet playing in public spaces and introducing people to kink through my pet play so i've always had a toned down uh, version, a pulled back version where I'm very friendly mm. with newcomers in the community and new people at parties who've never been. I always let them pet me. I always let them interact with me because I want to foster those positive experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's very nice too. Yeah. <laughs> your pub- public public right? uh, works. You're, oh yeah, no, exactly. you're, you're a working cat. Yeah, so cat. you're there to like be a good cat. <laughs> Like when it's needed, but like as soon as you're off duty, fuck this shit. I'm about to tear this room Absolutely. up. Absolutely. <laughs> Lady in the streets, freaking the sheets, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and then I have a question basically about um, do you have an handler? Do you have someone who you mostly play with and learn how to be tamed? So, yes, uh, technically, I do now, which is crazy. This is actually the first time I've even said that out loud as a pet player. Um, Yay! So I've been in and out of relationships within the scene, you know, as long as I've been in the scene. And I have never Mm -hmm. identified uh, with any of those relationships as owning or pertaining to training my cat side. I've still been feral. I I could have been, you know, somebody's sub, somebody's little. I've always been a feral cat. Um, however, I'm engaged to my wonderful fiance and my dominant, and I love him so much and like adore him so much that it's just spilled over into my cat side. She is just beside herself to just huddle in front of him and give him all the love and attention. Uh, so he didn't even really have to domesticate her. It was more like a soul bond, you know, when you find that stray in the streets and it just works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I was about to say this is just very natural cat stuff. So yep. yeah, next time my, my cat cute. chose him too. Yeah, <laughs> that's so that's sweet. fucking cute. <laughs> Can we talk a bit about um, since since we're on the subject of your dominant and your partner? Do you want to talk a bit about that relationship and how that sort of formed sure. in, in your absolutely seven it's... years of being in the scene? Oh my goodness, I. Man, I would love to talk about him. He's all I ever want to talk about, honestly. Um, but uh, as far as it pertains to the scene, I will say I was not ready for someone like him any earlier in my life or any earlier in my experiences. 
we met each other at just the right time and every relationship I have had that has failed before him fell into place because it was all a learning experience to be able to be where I am with him in our trust and communication. And let me tell you, we utilize the fuck out of those communication skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet. Yes, to the fullest extent. Because I, I also, um, mm-hmm. as I've been in the lifestyle, I've studied a lot of variations of the lifestyle experience. I'm very proficient in my knowledge and understanding of MS, DS, um, DDLG, polyamory, all of these things. So I've used all of those different skills I've uh, fostered over the years to really put everything I have into my relationship with him and build a foundation that is strong as steel, just mm-hmm. as absolutely as strong as it could be. Probably not steel, probably something stronger. I don't know. I don't know elements, but you know. Diamonds. Diamonds. <laughs> Diamonds. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit funny because uh, uh, Irony and I are also a couple. Uh, yes. And, yes. <laughs> and Irony is also my dominant. Yes. And they also are my handlers. So, yes. you know, uh, I think I, I it's kind of the same experience in the sense that I feel like all the relationship I had before really brought me to be able to have the same strength of communication and foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're just to, trying to make uh, me cry, uh, bitch. No, but I mean, it's true. Like, yes. Uh, a lot of people sometimes love to uh, be sad about all the things they've had before. and mm-hmm. But sometimes it's really the way that to build yourself for a stronger, better relationship at some point. Absolutely. And it's a lot of, and in King, it's so much trust and so yes. much letting go. And yeah, to, to even, even I can totally understand for your referral cat to be like, oh, yes, this just match for me and this is workable Mm -hmm. so that that means a lot obviously it was amazing i honestly never thought i was going to be owned (laughs) as a cat um Mm -hmm. you know as a as a sub i'm easier to work with um i did kind of give up hope on ever uh evolving into an ms relationship with anybody because i just could not trust anybody enough to to enter into a dynamic that um consistent i guess i should say Mm -hmm. but uh now all all possibilities are on the table i've always uh as far as power exchange a little side note i've always uh went with the philosophy of um starting ds and evolving into ms together rather than uh, Mm. identifying as a slave in the get-go because i am not necessarily submissive by nature i choose to submit so yes yes uh, that, that's also the conversation we have with other uh dominant or submissive is like uh giving your submission is very uh, precious absolutely so yes the way the way it evolve is very important and you shouldn't give it all in one go mm-hmm. no so, yeah and i'm i'm on my my own you know trying to sort of see because i've been in the scene for so long i'm like well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give it i'm gonna give submission like a proper good shot <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you know, see, like it's never been for me, but like I'm gonna see if I can there, because I, there are things that I'm missing out on that I'm like I want to try that. You can learn so I don't know much if... from switching roles, man. It was exactly I identified as a sub my entire first four and a half, five years of four years, first four years of being in the scene, um, and like three ish years ago I switched to identifying as a switch nobody was surprised to my surprise i thought i was surprised everybody <laughs> everybody was like oh yeah of course you're a switch i thought you were just like lazy or something <laughs> i was like well you're right um 
I wasn't ready to take <laughs> yes. responsibility of another person, you know? But I mean, yes. yeah, it's a lot of fucking work. It is. Yeah. Yes. And, and in, in my case, it's about like, absolutely about like finding somebody to trust that I, that is knowledgeable mm-hmm. in, like I am. Absolutely. You know? it, I'm oh, a judgy person. Don't <laughs> get like, me started Ooh. on my uh, my search for a house slave. It's been <laughs> the trial period. Yeah. Nobody passes my trial period because I just I need a certain amount of you know actual understanding of the foundations of the lifestyle and like what it means to truly gift your submission to someone before I'll even consider you. And just very difficult to find. <laughs> But uh, do you have any uh, cautionary tale about that? Um, yeah, I have many cautionary tales about that. I would say in general, when you are seeking any type of dynamic within this lifestyle, um, be wary of those who will tell you that they're in the lifestyle and don't know what that means. Because a lot of people, you know, will uh, participate online and, you know, long distance. And while that is a learning experience and can develop into Uh, a lifestyle-esque passion for a in-person 24-7 dynamic, those are not the same concepts or principles. And nope. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm always telling people to be, be conscientious that anybody can claim that they are dominant and have those skills. But um, this community that we have fostered uh, provides outlets for Preventing people and, you know, uh, getting other people's understanding and perspective on their skills and the attributes that they, you know, bring to the table. And that can be a huge game changer when you're looking for somebody to either submit to or to give to accept the submission from. Um, for me, I personally will not uh, I will not engage with somebody who identifies as a dominant and wants to potentially engage with me in a manner of creating a dynamic unless they have been in the scene in person, unless they've been to classes and been to munches and talked to their local community and, you know, volunteer. Don't just or... roll up like I'm the master yeah, exactly. now. You know, you got to put your nose to the ground and do the work. And, um, and not to say that I, you know, always go for lifestyles. My fiance did not identify as a lifestyle in any form when we met. Um, but he had a passion that brand as bright as mine and had a willingness to learn and we grew together. I'm going to take a brief moment of your time to discuss our social media. If you would like to email us, it's subsegmentpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash subsegment and Instagram at subsegmentpodcast. If you'd like to check out our super sexy website made by our very own in-house good boy, please head on over to subsegmentpodcast.com. And as always, you can find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts, as well as on Perth's number one online radio station, DRN1 United. Whole, this whole interview so far has just been wholesome. <laughs> oh my goodness, we're going to turn it up then. Got to try harder. Let's go. <laughs> So, what other thing, uh, like kinks, you want to talk about? Like I see here, um, <laughs> waterboarding, needle play, CNC. Hmm. Yeah, so it's been really wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really wholesome until you open up the <laughs> yeah, dirty underbelly of my mind. The, the, the 
Candy you Ellie's in Dungeon. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm very into all things uh, CNC, all things humiliation, degradation, um, uh, full service power exchange, high protocol, uh, fire play, uh, wax play. I am a self proclaimed electricity whore. <gasps> yes. <laughs> I, I love I love electros electro play like violent ones. Oh on my, my god! I bliss just blissful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like uh, primal, really hands on, aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all that good stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and you were talking about like one of the story you wanted to share with us was something about wearing illies to a dungeon with your puppy. Yes. I, I wore Heelys to the dungeon. Um, that's actually one of the ways I met some of my exes where they were like, I remember you because you're the girl who pulled up rolling through the dungeon in your Heelys. <laughs> and I was like, man, you got to arrive in style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, also having like a, a like a really a signature, signature foot. <laughs> What work? Yes, absolutely. Yes. absolutely. Well, those dungeon floors—they're made for it, man. They're like studio yeah. floors with like nothing on them. I mean, come on—they're just asking for a little ride. Um, <laughs> yeah. Always, you know, cautiously, very cautiously. I, I don't recommend it. Uh, safety, safety first, people. Uh, but <laughs> and then um, my older dog Cooper, who's somewhere around here, um, used to come with me. In a purse. Oh, your actual puppy. My actual puppy. (laughs) My actual puppy used to come with me in a purse to uh, private or uh, advertised parties. Dog friendly events. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because there's a a local dungeon that was down here. It shut down like two or three years ago. And oh, so sad about that. It was called Bordello of Decadence. And it was a home converted into a dungeon space. You know of it? Mm, I do not know of it, oh. but I know the type. Yes, it was beautiful, and it was up on this hill, and there was this outdoor space, and like uh, that's where we would often host brew and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. we, I, I would bring my my puppy with me, and he would come, and he would watch people get spanked and <laughs> squeal, and he was just like huh. about like degradation and humiliation. Yes, I'm not. I've always been a little bit uh, curious. Older. Yeah, curious, because for me, it's not something that I'm very uh, fond of, because I guess I have, like, issue um, with it in the past or whatever. But I always find that very fascinating when people do enjoy it and able to reclaim stuff with it. And so, yeah. Yeah. Paint me, um, if you will, paint me a picture of, like, a super hot scene that you would enjoy that involves degradation and humiliation so that, you know, the listeners might might just understand what sort of intensity level we're we're talking about. (laughs) Why is this the first one that comes to mind? Why does my brain always have to go to the most extreme? Um, (laughs) Well, I mean. So as a pet player, one of my uh, longest held fantasies, um, which... I don't know that I ever see truly coming to light unless I had somebody who fit this bill who I can trust to this extent, right? Um, would be for my in my in my fantasies. It was I would finally have an owner. This is like previous prior my fiance. Uh, I've had this fantasy for a long time. I would finally have an owner, and you know we'd be doing our our regular pet play and everything would be cutesy and fine. And he'd tell me he has a surprise for me, and you know. Uh, I'd go sit down and, you know, do my cat thing and be ignoring you and pretending I don't understand English mm. like I do. And, um, <laughs> <he'd>, English who? 
right? Money. Uh, he would open the door and uh, a pit bull pet player would come in and be just very interested in the kitty. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, one thing might lead to another and that pit bull might get a little bit too aggressive and territorial over this poor kitty. And I mean, this sounds like a fantasy I have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but continue, continue. You know, please. I might look to my, my handler for help and he might tell me that he was really pissed about me scratching up the couch last night. That <laughs> oh, <laughs> he was just no. going to step out for a little bit and let me get to know the, the pit bull and we'll just kind of see how much uh, of my dignity I have left when he gets back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that is hot. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think I think both Noodles and I just like got real pink. <laughs> it's it, that's one of my more extreme ones. I I'm uh yeah, there's this uh stigma that you're promiscuous and most of the partners that I've had who I've actually engaged with in a sexual fashion or penetrated or, you know, even performed oral on or any of those things were vanilla relationships that I had fostered to a level of that type of trust within the community for the most part mm. has been more of a personal introspective experience. You know, it's been more of mm. self exploration so that now that I have this beautiful relationship, I know what I'm bringing to the mm. table and I know myself and I know what I'm interested in and I know the things I like and I can use that as an even stronger foundation for our relationship currently. Um, I, I get along very well with my local community, but very rarely mm-hmm. have I ever met anybody within the community that I felt the potential to start a dynamic with because, you know, when you're going to, to parties and you're going to classes, you're not really like, I don't know, for me at least, I wasn't going there like scoping out the the men, you know, I, I was there to yes, learn. Exactly. I was there to, you know, have new experiences and, when I played with my play partners or played with, you know, new people mm-hmm. and who I'd met and, and um, negotiated with, it was about, it was about me. I mean, it was about them, but it was about me and learning myself and giving myself the freedom to explore those things, you know? Yes. I'm, I'm so fucking Lily. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's sort of it with irony. Uh, yeah. Um, I, time, I, I think. St- yeah. I went without any sort of real like play like like play partner in the way that like uh, there was like a dominant submissive sort of attitude. I have friends that I would occasionally sort of explore, do some 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 play and and things like that. But like uh, it had been, I think, like ten years before I had become like ready again after uh, my previous like live in slave situation like the 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 breakup of that took a while for me to like reopen to that so I went a lot to uh parties and stuff and I was just sort of on my own with friends uh gathering experiences for myself so I knew what I liked and what I didn't and then uh you know just before the pandemic I was like I'm ready to like explore this with somebody else again and uh yeah, and then the pandemic hit, and then oh, the parties all stopped, and I was like, God damn it. And then I met Noodles, and I was like, oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> you know, it's so crazy. I also met my fiance uh, in, in pandemic life. Um, 
we actually met on yeah. OpenCupid, and uh, oh, we just—I don't know—something. Oh. We recently went back uh, for one of our anniversaries and reread our previous messages to each other because I'd saved them all, and it oh. was immediate. It really was like right off oh. the bat, man. It was just right. I, I have some quotes we can go through later if you if you want. It's it's insane, honestly. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Uh, we don't have a ton. We have a, a little bit more time left. So I want to cover a few more mm -hmm. subjects. Um, so you said mm -hmm. you've been looking to take on a submissive. Yes. I have been looking for a domestic slave to uh, manage my house and personal affairs. Um, I've been looking for that for about three years now, uh, pretty much since I mm. switched over to being a switch, I kind of knew what I had in mind going in. And I, I was, one of the things I realized uh, that was holding me back prior, that was holding me back prior to identifying as a switch was um, that I had so much knowledge and so much foundation as, as I had developed an understanding from what I wanted as a submissive, I knew what I wanted and expected from a dominant counterpart and i was like i was so nervous to kind of like take on that role and i was like oh i could never i could never like i can't I, I can't be that mean or i can't be that domineering and then the more i thought about it i was like well it's not about being mean or you know putting on a facade mm -hmm. it's about setting boundaries and i love lists and i love detail-oriented things you know what i mean I, I i know what my boundaries are and i know you know what my expectations are and i know how to care for another person and i know how to show that compassion and i know how to communicate and i was like i have all these skills already so why not give it a try and mm -hmm. be able to pass that knowledge on to somebody else and, and train somebody else with with those understandings especially um with my extensive understanding of high protocol uh, and those dynamics um so I kind of went in with it wanting a domestic slave, um, somebody I could train in in understanding high protocol, but also just to, you know, maintain the house and keep up, keep things nice, nice and tidy. Yes. Well, that's the, the thing about kink that I find like a lot of people first think of, like, it's just your immediate thought that you have to be sort of like a mean mm -hmm. hard ass. You know, and that was definitely like something that I was like, I struggled with for a very long time at the beginning of like my pro-dom career even. And even then I was like, I, this doesn't suit me. This is like, I'm too fun and silly and I can scare people that way. <laughs> I don't need to do like, I don't need to be a mega hard ass. Mm -hmm. uh, and then like sort of like finding myself in that. So like, absolutely. You being like, I love high protocol. Like you can be nitpicky, but you don't need to be mean mm -hmm. about it. Like you can be like, if you still like that submissive role, you can be like the fucking head butler of your own house. <laughs> and you're like in charge of this other person, absolutely. you know? Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's always fun to, to find yourself in, in sort of your form of domination, and I'm using air quotes on domination. One hundred, one hundred percent. I, I actually found mm -hmm. that it was more of, for me, the way I embodied it with men, actually, because um, I actually embody it differently with women, um, is to set my expectations and present them with the opportunity to impress me. You know, and if if they fail to impress me 
Mm -hmm. you know, like communicating those boundaries to slaves and submissives and S types, and especially people who identify as a service type is really all that's necessary in way of, you know, getting the point across to how, how you're feeling. Right. And then, you know, whatever fun punishments you do on top of that, you know, go stand in the corner, airplane, punishments, punishments, come get some spankings, whatever. But them understanding that they've disappointed you is, is the real core of, you know, the foundation of what they're trying not to do as a service type. And so once I Mm kind of understood that it wasn't this, um, Mm-hmm. There wasn't the standard that I needed to fill. There wasn't this uh, person I needed to become in order to do this. I could, I just needed to adapt the rules I already knew. Mm-hmm. That's when I really uh, felt that I was ready to step into that role. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's beautiful. Really, and it's resonated a bit with me because uh, I try sometimes to be dominant, but I still mm-hmm. haven't found the perfect fit for it. Uh, so trying to bring that and understanding that you don't have to follow like a stereotype of it is of course uh... honestly the the main not main one of the main things i would say about uh being a dominant um for me is um paying attention being observant if you're an observant enough person to notice when they're doing something they're not supposed to do and you can call them on it that is like the foundation right there it's, it's the people who throw out arbitrary rules that they're not paying attention to that kind of uh, make their S-type flounder and they're, you know, not getting that uh, reciprocation from that relationship that they deserve. We have one final question because it's the fun question. Um, so I will get you to sort of, uh, if you want to shout out your social medias, if you've got like, uh, if you want to talk about your fat life, you're welcome to. Absolutely. Um, my pet life is the meowing brat, all one word, spelled exactly like that. And my Instagram is a dot little dot mystery. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, please send me a message and let me know you're coming from this podcast so I can approve. Final question: If physics and money were not a necessary thing, or you know, just really even a thought, what would be your ideal kink scene? Ah, well. And it can be anywhere, literally. Anywhere? Literally anywhere. I don't know if I have an answer to that right off the bat, but I will say if money was not an option, my ideal situation, um, and I talk about this all the time with my fiance because we're trying to make it a reality one day, I would like to open my own uh, high protocol dungeon space for the MS community specifically and Ah. uh, have a themed room for pet play events. Oh. I'm I'm seeing yeah. I'm seeing a really beautiful tea service. Exactly. Uh, That's exactly area. what I would like. Okay. And my uh, uh my fiance is very into business. He's always thought about opening a bar or restaurant. So we were talking about this concept of having a hidden uh private dungeon in the back uh where it's invite <gasps> only and that was like a high protocol hidden dungeon area. Yes. <laughs> oh. Well, uh if you are listening to this and you think that's a good idea, you can reach Chloe um, in her, <laughs> her, her messages. And, you know, if you want to crowdsource this or <laughs> fund this, like, super cool idea, you can get in contact with her. Um, thank you so much again. Uh, we would love to have you back on sometime in the future. Absolutely. Yes, check in, see how, see how you're doing after your your 
owned and and uh, all that fun stuff. Absolutely, you can do a ceremony. Definitely, I uh, we evolve every day, so I'd love to update you guys and talk more about some other things. You know. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, noodles, you want to take us out? Yes. So everyone,、uh, stay kinky, stay safe. I'm noodles. <laughs> I'm Irony, and I'm Chloe. Bye. Bye. Bye.